Amen. How many of you got your Bibles with you? Let me see. Let me see if you got your Bibles with you. Yeah. How many of you got your digital Bibles with you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, here's, a, here's one. How many's got your journals with you? Let me see your journal. Yeah, that's so awesome. If you don't have one, uh, we have a free one for you out in the Welcome Center. And this is just an opportunity just to connect with what God is doing because inside your worship guide, uh, you can get the message notes where we're going to be going today. And one of the things that you can also do is at the Welcome Center, we have free binders for you that you can start collecting those notes. Uh, but one of the things I love is not what we have in the notes, but what God speaks to you in between the points. And I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I just think, man, that's really good. And I really feel like God's saying that to me. But by the time I get out of church, I'm like, I know he said something, but I don't remember what that was. And so that's what your journal is for, so you can write down what's in between the notes that God is saying to you, so that when you go back home, you can just take that next step with what God is doing. And so if you want to take those message notes and you want to open those and open up your journal and open up your Bibles, we're going to be taking a break for two weeks from the book of Ephesians. And uh, I really, really uh, struggled with doing this because I have loved the book of Ephesians. But the good thing is, is it's not going anywhere, right? It'll be there. But God has been doing something in my heart and in my life over the past few weeks. And it just got to the point to where it was no longer a coincidence, but I really felt like that the Lord was leading me to take a break for two weeks and to talk about something that's been going on. And so we're gonna be doing a quick two-week series on something we have decided to entitle, In God We Trust, okay? So if you're uh, taking notes and you're collecting those, go ahead and go to the next thing, and then we're gonna be collecting these. And the kind of the best way that I can think of to, to talk about this, and we're gonna be in Malachi chapter number three, is uh, I want you to imagine a scenario with me, okay? Imagine that you have got a friend, and you walk up to this friend, and they are in a lot of pain, okay? Like, you just walk up to them, and they're having a really bad day. Like they're just moaning and groaning and just, oh man, I'm just, I'm just in so much pain. All right, I'm just, ah, uh, you know, and, and you can look at them. They're in a lot of pain, all right? Their face is flushed. They're sweating. They, don't, they, just, they look like that they're about to get sick at any moment, right? So you're keeping a respectful distance. So if they do get sick, it doesn't get on you, right? And so, but you're talking to them and they're just like, I just don't feel good. And, and, and I don't know exactly what it is, but you know, I'm taking my vitamins and I'm sleeping better and I'm, I'm eating better and I'm, I'm trying, but it just seems like the more I do, the worse it gets and I'm just feeling horrible. And as you're talking to them and you're, you're listening, you look down and all of a sudden you see the snake is biting them on the leg. And you're trying to be respectful, but it's a snake on their leg. And so you're going, I bet I know what's wrong, you know? And so you, you're, you're, you're trying to just, just you know, not interrupt or whatever, but there's a snake. And, and so finally you just go, look, I, I don't know what else might be wrong. And there may be some other issues, but might I draw your attention to the snake on your leg, right? And, and you expect that they're going to be happy about this. Thank you for letting me know there is a, there's a deadly snake on my leg. I mean, you know, because, I mean, you're just wanting to, you know, go Pentecostal on them and just start your, you know, your party, you know, of just, of just annihilating the snake. That was my best Pentecostal dance, okay? If you didn't see that, you'll never see it again, okay? But, but here's the thing is instead of there being this moment where they're like, thank you so much for pointing out this issue, they get offended, Oh my goodness, how dare you refer to my snake? That is mine. You do not have permission to speak about my, my snake. Matter of fact, don't even bring it up again. And so you're like, whoa, okay, that wasn't quite what I expected. And so now you're continuing the relationship and they're continually telling you what's, that what's wrong. 
and, you're, and you want so bad to say, hey, look, there may be some other issues going on. There, there may be something, but I got a feeling that the snake on your leg is not helping at all, right? Well, why in the world would I tell you that story? And the reason why is because I've been so blessed uh, to, to walk with uh, so many people over this past year. And then also I've been, I've been hearing in our life groups and don't worry, your life group leaders are, are so very faithful to you. And that is, they don't ever give me details. They just talk about some of the relationships that God is doing and some of the things that he's, he's working through. But over the past year, I've had so much honor to be invited into so many different conversations. Like I've been invited into difficult relationship conversations where things looked so healthy only to discover they weren't healthy. And I've been invited into the, to, to some different people's LGBTQ conversations and, and these different things. And it's just been my honor to just walk with people through some difficult conversations and relationships. And then I've, I've had the opportunity to walk through the COVID concerns that so many people have been dealing with and, and the conspiracy theories abound and all the different things, but, but able to just walk with people as they've been processing all this. And then I've been able to walk with people through the very difficult conversation of vaccines and should I get one? Should I not get one? Should I continue to work somewhere and all this thing? And then, and then, and then wanting to be a vaccine evangelist or a non-vaccine. just I've been invited to these wonderful conversations, but can I tell you, this past year, I've been invited into conversations I didn't want to be in. I was like, that's too personal for me. I don't, I don't belong in that conversation, but I've been invited. But do you know the one conversation that people have told me that I don't, not only do I not have the, uh, an ability to have an opinion on, but if there's one thing that I have seen hurt more people in the past 12 months, there's been more fear, more anger, more anxiety over the past 12 months than I've seen in a long time, and that is the fear and anxiety over finances. I've had so many people talk about these different things going on in their life and, and, and worries and, and fears. And, and you know what I've learned? I've learned that there's more people who are offended and hurt and upset in the area of their finances than COVID will ever reach, than vaccines will ever get a hold of. As a matter of fact, I think there's more people, perhaps even in this room and online, who are more bound up in worry and fear over their finances than in any other area of their life. But it seems like that there's this thing that even though this is an obvious area, and if, if you're looking at it, you can go, hey, look, there may be other things going on, but this is definitely one we don't feel comfortable talking about. As a pastor, I feel an obligation when I hear it coming up over and over again to tell you what God's word says about it. And I feel kind of like, I don't remember who it was that used to say this, but you know, we report and you decide kind of thing. But I almost feel like that my job as your pastor is to tell you what God's word says over areas of difficulty and then trust the Holy Spirit to work it out in your life. And so what my, my goal is, is I just want to give you something that has just absolutely changed my life. Something that has brought me more peace and more joy and more security in one of the most difficult areas of my life than anything else. And then my job is then to pass it off to you and just say, you do whatever God is telling you to do. So there's no condemnation, no issue. I still love you. As a matter of fact, you can go to heaven without fully embracing this kind of thing. However, how you get there and the level of freedom that you have on the way can be connected to this. So I'm gonna to report to you what God has to say. And then my prayer to you is that you let then the Holy Spirit work in your life. And just maybe there are some people in here that like me, 
Every so often, I forget how much I can trust God in this area because the truth is, this is not in your notes, but there's two ways that finances can steal our joy and question God's faithfulness. And one of them is trouble, obviously. Now, having difficulties. You know what it makes us do? It makes us ask the question, what am I gonna do? But you know the other side is success because all of a sudden when there's success, then we start saying, what am I going to do? And we start doubting God's faithfulness in both because in one, we wonder where he is. And in number two, we don't care where he is because we're doing just fine. And what the enemy wants to do is if he can't push you in one way, he'll push you in another. And so it, I think it's no wonder that Jesus actually talked about finances more than he talked about heaven and hell combined. It's because he knows that there's nothing that, that works against our relationship with him and his lordship in our life more than finances. You know why? Because for many people, it's in our finances that we look to find security, that we, that we want to try to find our, our, um, our confidence in our life, that we want to find everything that we think is valuable. And the problem is, is those things are primarily supposed to come from the Lord. And it's then through that that we find those things. But it, the genesis of it is through the Lord. And so what I want to do is I want to start off with some really, really good news. And that is this, if you're taking notes, God wants to bless your finances. It's the best news I can give you is that God is not unconcerned about this area of your life. But here's the rub. For some of you, you're going, well, that sounds great, but that's not working in my life. Well, here's the thing. God wants to bless your finances, but you have to do it God's way. Okay, so we're going to talk about that uh, today. That is this, that this is the big idea that God has for you. Wherever you are in your relationship with this and however this is working, this is God's promise for you. And, it, and it's in Malachi chapter 3. It's a, God says this. He says, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test, and we're gonna talk about that in a minute. And this is an agricultural environment, so if you don't have a crop, it's okay, it still applies. He says, your crops will be abundant, and I, and I, for I will guard them from insects and disease, and your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, and then all the nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight. Now, what does that mean? Well, here, here's the idea. He says, I will open up the windows of heaven. Well, this is a primarily agricultural environment, and so their success and failure depended, among other things, on rain coming down at the right time. And if the, if the rain missed the right, the right time, it could be devastation. And so what God is saying is, is I'm going to make sure everything happens the way it's supposed to happen. And then I'm going to bless the hard work that you do. And it's not going to mess up. It's going to work out the way it is. And then what's amazing is all the other people around you are going to see what I'm doing in your life. And it's going to be a testimony of my faithfulness. That's amazing. Like, I want that. But here's the problem. There's many people I know, and I've been in this myself, where I'm like, that's wonderful. Not happening to me. <laughs> You know, maybe, maybe that's great for you. Yay. And I, can I be honest? I'm going to act like it's happening to me. You know, people are going to ask me, hey, how you doing? Man, I am too blessed to be stressed. The reality is I am too stressed to feel blessed. You know, I got all the things. And as a matter of fact, this is what my life a lot of times looks like. And that is that God provides me the strength I need to, to have a job and the, the whatever it is I have. And then God supplies for my needs. And then you know what I do? I go and I consume it because that's what I do. I'm good at consuming, all right? No one can spend money on coffee like this guy can, all right? I consume it. Well, then you know what starts to happen so many times is I get, I get to the end of the money before I get to the end of the month. And so as I start to, to have my troubles, I start to lack in what I have. And you know what that does is that starts to create fear 
And then sometimes because of that, I started accruing debt and different things just so I can get back to God's supplying again. But then what I do is then I consume, but then I start to lack and then I start to fear and it starts to go over and over and over. And at some point I'm going, God, I sure would love for you to help me with this, but where you at? I love the, the wonderful blessings. So can you kind of come in here at some point? So maybe you're like me and go, I love the wonderful promises of God. Must be nice. <laughs> Can't tell you much about them. So here maybe is the question, and that is, how can I break this cycle and experience God's faithfulness? If God, wouldn't it be the worst kind of cruelty if God would say, I want to bless you, and then not tell you how to get in on it? Wouldn't that be the worst thing ever? Is if I told you that somewhere in the United States, I had buried a million dollars for you. Good luck. <laughs> you know, I'd be like, man, I'd rather you just not even told me, rather than told me but not give me a map, right? Well, here's the wonderful news, is that God says, I want to bless your finances and I'm gonna tell you how. So this is how God says, I wanna bring peace to your finances and I wanna bless you so that this area doesn't have to control you. He says it like this. He says, first of all, I am the Lord, okay? I do not change and this is why your descendants of Jacob have not already been destroyed. In other words, this is God talking and you've been getting it kind of messed up, but remember, it's me, I love you. That's why I haven't already judged you for this. He said, ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me and I will return to you. But you ask, how can we return when we've never gone away? Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, wait a minute. Now hold up. What do you mean, how can we cheat you? you you've cheated me of the tithes and the offering due to me. You are under a curse and your whole nation has been cheating me. In other words, he's saying, hey, you've been messing up on this, but I want you to come back to me. Like, I'm not mad at you for it. Like, I have, I'm not judging you the way I probably could right now, but I'm telling you about it so you can come back to me. And then we're like, wait a minute. How, how have we been messing up on this? What's going on? And he's going, you've been, you've been you know, not giving me what I've been asking for. And because of that, that's why things aren't going the way they're supposed to. So now what you need to do is bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there'll be enough food in my temple. And then he says, if you do, and it was all the blessings. And so the question is, if these truly are promises, and I find myself not in those promises, but I find myself in this cycle of lack of, of constantly just in fear and turmoil and there's never enough money at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the month and I'm always kind of messing things up. What, what's the answer? Well, God's answer, if you want God's blessing, the answer is we experience God's faithfulness when we tithe. Tithing is bringing the, to God the first 10% of everything we receive. So what he said was, and you can find that throughout, throughout the Old Testament, and then Jesus ratifies in the New Testament because he says, when you do this, but he says, you want to know what enacts, what, what kickstarts, what, what moves you into the blessings I have for you is when you go first and when you tithe, and tithing is bringing the first 10% of everything we receive, to which, can we just be really honest, that makes us uncomfortable, right? Like, we were good until then. And, and doesn't it sound so counterintuitive? Pastor, I'm already struggling with my finances and you're wanting me to give more? Yes, <laughs> but it's not, about, it's, it's not about that, it's about why and it's about who 
you give to because there's something amazing that I've seen God do in my life and I've seen happen so many times and this is what it looks like. It starts off with God supplies. God gives us the strength for our job. He gives us the ability to do the job. And then as an act of honor and worship, we bring back to him, not what's left over, but the first 10%. And we say, God, thank you so much for everything you're doing. So I'm bringing back to you as an act of worship, the first 10%. And then you know what happens? Then God provides. God starts to, to just make what you've got expand and, and do what he's called it to do. And then when you start to see God's faithfulness, your faith starts to grow. And then before you know it, you get back to where God is supplying and you bring back to him. And then when you do that, then your faith starts to grow as you see him start to provide. And it is a process that goes again and again and again. And I've talked to people who they've told me, hey, listen, I'm struggling. I, I had an issue with this, this and I've had an issue with that, but hey, where, where can I give? Because I've seen it work so many times that I don't ever want to get out of this cycle because I understand that it's not about the stuff, it's about the place in our hearts. And I want to tell you that in my life, I've struggled with this sometimes. And so I've asked the Lord and I've looked in God's word and I've said, God, why would you do it that way? Like, like I could think of a thousand other ways to do this. One would be just bless us. <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing, right? But I, I think that there's, I think there's the wisdom of God in asking you to have some skin in the game, asking you to go first. And so what I wanna do for you is I wanna tell you what I've seen God do in my life, three different, uh, three different things that God has done in my life as he's asked me to be faithful in giving. And this is what I've been praying for you. I've been praying that God would reveal to you what area of your life maybe you're struggling to find joy in. Maybe you're, you're struggling to honor God in this area because of something, I don't know what it is, and that maybe he's gonna reveal to you why this is the case, because God's had to work in my life in all three of these areas. And so what I, my hope for you is that you will experience God's peace and joy in this very difficult area because you will begin to trust the Lord in this area. So I wanna give you three things I like to call just the life-changing power of honoring God. Here's the first one, and this maybe is the most difficult, and that is what it does is it first, it reveals our heart. It reveals our heart. I've got great news, God wants to bless your finances, and I've, I think everybody in here was going, yay! But you gotta do it God's, well, God's way, whoa, you know? And, and as soon as I started talking about finances, if you felt something go, oh Lord, I missed, I should have stayed out this Sunday. <coughs> I think I'm sick. Yes, go ahead and, you know, then, then maybe, maybe this one's you. Maybe, maybe, because here's the thing, we don't mind God talking to us about our eternity, but don't talk to us about our Netflix account or our, our, our spending in this area or our spending in that area. Please, God, don't touch that. I want you to save my eternity, but I don't want you to mess with my budget or the lack thereof, if you're me, that I struggle with that so much. But let me make sure I get, get, make sure I get this out. God does not care if you have stuff, okay? That's not this message. That's not this preacher, okay? God doesn't care if you have stuff. He is extremely concerned if your stuff has you. If now all of a sudden that you are under the power of other things that now control you, and that's why God speaks about it so very much, is because he knows like nothing else, we struggle in this area because nothing reveals our hearts faster than talking about finances. And so here's, here's the thing. I heard someone say this, and I think it's true. If you wanna know what someone truly values, don't check their schedule, check their bank account because whatever you spend money on is what you truly value. 
So I want to ask you this question. If we were to check your bank account, what do you value? And here's the thing. If you want God to bless you, you want him to, you got you to gotta do it his way. This is how the Bible says it. It says, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey me. But you ask, how? What do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? And God's going, oh, no, 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 no. You, know, you cheated me of the tithes and the offerings due to me. And because of that, that's why everything's going wrong or things are not going as well you thought, as you thought it should. For the whole nation has been cheating me. Well, what is he talking about right here? Because you know what that kind of sounds like? That kind of sounds like poor pitiful folks that had no idea they were supposed to do this. And God's been a, you know, as, they, as my kids used to say, God is being a meanie pants and not blessing them. Rude. I had no idea. Well, you know what actually God's doing is God's being a little sarcastic because he's going, you're asking me that you're acting like you have no idea. Really? Here's why. It's because during this time, the nation of Israel had been in captivity to Babylon and and then the, the Medes and the Persians who took over them. And then they were allowed to finally come back to Israel. And when they finally come back to Israel, everything has just been demolished. Try leaving your house for 70 years, right? There's some things that need to be updated. And so they're, they're trying to update things, but all of the, the prophets and the priests are saying, hey, don't forget to be faithful to God. He's the one that got you back home anyway. And they're going, yeah, yeah, that's, yay. Okay, yeah, I got some stuff, but yay. You know, and what they were supposed to do, they were supposed to go to the temple and they were supposed to honor God by bringing him the first 10% as an act of worship. Thank you, God, for bringing me back, for giving me the strength to do. And one of the things, once again, this is an agricultural environment, they were supposed to bring among other things, a pretty sweet little lamb. Isn't that sweet? I mean, look at him. It was supposed to be white without blemish. Got a little something going on here, but you know, it's okay. All right, but it, this, is, this is amazing. You know what else this is? It's expensive, right? This, this joker costs more than most of the rest of his flock. I mean, that's one of the reasons why was, is it costs something to get rid of this guy, all right? This was probably the most expensive animal that that farmer had. And God's going, I want you to give me the first 10% as an act of worship. And you know what this farmer's going? He's going, that's great, but nah. <laughs> you know, I, I really need this guy, but I'm still gonna honor God. But instead, I'm gonna bring the broke, busted, and disgusted joker, you know, that's, that's about to die. You know, he's, he's only got three legs. We needed, we needed one leg, we were hungry, it's all right. And he's, he's kinda, he's, he's crazy, but it's a blessing. It's a, the Lord understands, you know? And, it's fine, and I, he's ugly anyway, all right? You know, it's just, just the thing. It's, it's fine. It's a sheep. Y'all got offended. It's a sheep. He's fine, all right? But that, that's what they were doing. And God's going, really? This is what I asked you for. That's what I got. Okay, all right. And so you're wondering why you're not blessed. You know why I think God asked for 10%? It's because you'd never notice one. 10% is just enough that you notice so that you go, God, I trust you. I trust you. And here's the thing. God doesn't need our money. He's God, okay? You think he needs our money? No, it's not about the money. It's about the heart. It's about the heart. He wants to know, do you love me enough to give to me first? If not, okay, great. That's where we're gonna start working. But here's the thing. You're like, but I don't have enough money. I tell you what, I'm gonna take care of this. God understands, I'll pay God next month. As soon as you said, I'll pay God, you missed the point. Because God is not a bill. He is our Father in heaven, and we honor him by giving back to him. 
That's the point of the whole deal. And so here's the thing, and I don't mean this rude. Please don't take this bad. I've had to come to grips with this, but here's the thing. If you don't want to honor God in this way, that's fine, but stop praying and asking God to bless you because he's going to go right back here and go, I'd love to do this, (laughs) but I don't want to. Okay, great. Go figure it out. You know, I'll be right here and I'll still love you the whole time. I'm never going to stop loving you, but if you want blessing, (laughs) this is what you've got to do because I've got great news for you. And it got really awkward when I said that, but it's okay, I still love you. And that is this, God wants to bless your finances, but we, including me, have got to do it God's way. And you know why? Because I think the first thing is it tests our heart. It tests our heart. God, do I love you or I just love what you can do for me? Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna prove it to myself and I'm gonna honor you first. You know the second thing is it, it does? Is it reveals the joy of focusing on others. It reveals the joy of getting out of this me-centered culture that we're in. I, I don't know if Burger King's the one that started it or somebody, but you used to have that commercial, have it your way, you know? And now everybody says you can have it your way. Uh, it, it doesn't matter, just come give us your business. And what that does is that has that just created this consumeristic mentality where I can have whatever I want, whenever I want it, however I want it. And if I don't, I'm not happy. And okay, that's great when you're trying to get a new cell phone. But the problem is, is we bring that into our relationship with God and go, God, if you bless me, then I'll be faithful. And God's going, no, 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 I don't work for you. <laughs> you know, instead, you have the honor of giving to me because number one is it checks your heart. And number two is it reminds you that the true joy in life is not getting what you want. The true joy in life is being used as a conduit of the Lord to bless other people. Giving is a cure for selfishness. Giving is a cure for the control freakness that we all have, right? Because we want it our way when we want it. And what God says is, no, because I need to teach you how to trust me. God's word says it like this. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. That was a room in the temple that there may be enough food in my temple. And so what God says to do and what they would do back in the Old Testament is when they would go up, they would go and they would give their offering to the priest and then they were done. Now all the blessing that God had promised them, they're, they're not ready for. They, they, they give it to God, and then an awesome, horrible, weighty responsibility would come upon those priests to then steward what they had been given, or judgment would fall. And if you don't think that that actually happened, in 1 Samuel, God judged an entire family, Eli and his two sons, and they all died because they weren't being faithful with what God called them to do. Here at Real Life Church, we take that extremely seriously. And so when you honor God by giving to this local church, that's why we have trustees who watch over our finances. That's why we have a budget to watch over our finances. That's why all of our staff can't stand us, stand me half the time, because they don't get to do whatever they want to do. Because every single dollar, and they they love you, okay, I'm not trying to say that bad, but every single dollar is accounted for. You know why? not, Not because of anything other than I am terrified of mishandling God's money, because there is a judgment attached to that. And some may have been in situations where there were people who didn't do that and they squandered God's money. Well, guess what? There's judgment coming on them. And I don't want to be part of that. And I'm not even going to speak to that. What I am going to say is no one escapes the judgment of the Lord. You know, you may still get to heaven, but you're going to have an issue to deal with if you don't handle God's money correctly. And so when you do that, now you're blessed and God's going to move in your life. But that also means when he says, bring all your tithes into the storehouse, that means to get those other blessings, you got to bring all your tithes into the storehouse. And what I, what I mean is that means that I've had people come up and tell me, Pastor, I love to tithe. I give my tithe to the Salvation Army. 
I love the tithe. I give my tithe to the animal shelter. People have told me that before. It's like, what? What, what is that? I love the tithe. I give my tithe to the mission field. That's wonderful. But that's not what it says. Those things are offerings. And so, that, and you don't have to just give 10% to God. You can give as much to God as you want to. But the tithe goes to the storehouse that there may be enough food in my temple. And the heavy burden is there. And what it does is when then you give to the Lord, you take your hands off of it and trust it to God. There's this amazing joy that you get of realizing that you're part of something bigger than yourself. And God's had to work in my heart over that. Because I'll be honest with you, I've been hurt in church before. I've been hurt by people who told me they love me and that they love the Lord. And then they went and did things they weren't supposed to do. And so I had to get to where I trusted the Lord with it. And then just said, God, your judgment fall or your blessing come on them. I've done everything that I can do. And what that does is that increases your trust in the Lord and it gives you the ability to then realize the joy of focusing on others. I don't know if God's hitting this to you or not. Maybe for you, this is just a celebration of what God is doing in your life. But the wonderful news I have for you is no matter what you're carrying when it comes to the area of finances and, and even as hard as it is for us to talk about this air issue, even though for some of us it's like a snake on our leg and it's, and it's, it's messing us up, we're just, gonna, we're just gonna talk about it because there's freedom in Jesus' name and in his word. And so doing this and honoring God, number one, is it reveals our heart. It reveals areas where we're ready to trust God in other areas, but maybe not this one. And God's going, are you ready? Are you ready to take another step? It reveals the ability we have to, to focus on others and the joy. And then here's one more, and that is this. It reveals God's faithfulness in our lives. I, I love the idea that God actually says, test me. Because can I be honest with you? There's been times in my life when I wasn't so sure if God was faithful. I don't know if you're allowed to say that on Sunday morning. I wasn't sure because I really thought God should do something and he decided not to take my advice. He decided to do it a different way and I got my feelings hurt. And so when it came to this area, I love that God understands because he says this. He says, first of all, realize this is me, okay? I'm the Lord and I don't change. That is why your descendants are not already destroyed. In other words, hey, listen, don't forget, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the God who loves you. That I, I know you and I love you. And I know you've been struggling with this one. And, and yeah, maybe if I, I didn't love you as much, I could have destroyed you, but I'm not gonna do that. I love you. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to bring all the ties and then I will open the windows of heaven for you. And then he says this, think about this. God of all creation says, test it. Pro give me a chance to prove it. It reminds me of in the Old Testament, there was a season when the nation of Israel had walked away from God and they were worshiping this pagan god, Baal, and, and it just seemed like everybody had gone toward this false god. And, and there was this guy who came on the scene named Elijah, so bold and rude, <laughs> because, because he was like, hey, listen, I think Baal is no good. I think the one true Yahweh, he's God, and let's put him to the test. All you 400 uh, prophets of Baal, I'm, I'm gonna come against all y'all. And we're gonna create two sacrifices before God. And the real God will answer by fire. Whoa, have you ever seen that? <laughs> I haven't seen that. That's putting God to the test. And you know what he said? He said, if God be God, serve him. If Baal be God, serve him. But I, I think it's tired of us jumping on different sides of the fence, depending on which way it goes our way. Instead, why don't we make a decision? And that's kind of like what God's doing right here. And I don't see this 
as an ultimatum at all. I don't know how you read this, but I don't see God going, if you don't, I'm going to, I see this as God saying, I get it. I understand. I get that this is the hardest thing for some of us to get our minds around. And I don't understand why that is, but for some reason, we try to get our hope and our joy, our love, our joy, our peace, our goodness, our kindness, our faithfulness, our gentleness, our patience, our self-control, all from our finances. When God's saying, the only place you're going to find that in a lasting way is in me. And so I get that this is super hard, but if you could just do it, test me and see if I won't be the God I said I was, if I won't prove myself faithful. And can I tell you, he's faithful. And I'm not in any way, and it's, it's, can, I, can I get really honest? It's difficult in one way for as a pastor to talk about this because it's been abused, hasn't it? And I am in charge of the church. God's in charge. I'm a steward. But because of that, people feel like I have a vested interest in doing this. Can I tell you that's not the case with me at all? As a matter of fact, it's a lot easier to go to Ephesians chapter whatever we're on. <laughs> but I, my heart has been broken so much because people have, have, they're struggling in their finances. And then when I say, but God wants to bless your finances, they're like, I don't want to talk about that. I don't talk about that. Okay, fine, great. But he does. And so what I want to do is I want to give you a challenge. And that's, I call it the 90-day tie challenge. And I don't know. I'm giving this to you, and then I'm praying for you to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. But if you want to put God to the test, put him at his word, this is what changed my life. Because I've been in that seat before. And so this is what you do. This is, this is my opinion of how you do it. It's for 90 days, you, 90 days, you tithe faithfully to the Lord, and you keep a ledger of it. You keep a record. You put down the date. You put what you honor God with. You put if it was actually the first 10% or not, because the, the order matters, because remember, it's an act of worship, not an act of whatever we want, but it's an act of worship. And then be very careful to ask God to show me your faithfulness, because this is not a get-rich-quick scheme, okay? If you're doing this because you bought a car last year and you want a new one, don't do this, okay? Can I honestly tell you, it offends me at how people try to use God's word for their benefit. It offends the goodness of God, uh, my, my view of the goodness of God. So this is, not, this is not get rich quick. This is so you can see God's faithfulness. And so what you do is, is you say, God, for 90 days, I'm going to do this. Show me your faithfulness. Show me your goodness. And the reason why I say this is because you have no idea what God may be wanting to do in your life. You're wanting him to do this when he knows you've already given up on this over here. And he wants to breathe fresh life into that. God, show me your faithfulness. And the reason why I do this is because every time someone comes up to me and says, Pastor, that's good for you, but I'm not interested, I say, great. If you're willing to try it, try 90 days. And can I tell you, every single time someone's done this, they never made it to 90 days. They've said, hey, look, I'm done. God's faithful. Do you know this is how I've helped people who were struggling to believe if God even existed or not? They've been through something difficult, and they said, I don't even know if God's real anymore. Great, do a 90-day tie challenge. Why in the world would I do that if I don't even believe God exists? Trust me, I can't deny because at some point, it's no longer a coincidence. At some point, you have to go, that doesn't happen to anybody. It's got to be God. And can I tell you, here's the other reason, 
is this is where my greatest testimonies come from. I cannot tell you how many times God has done something amazing in my life. I'll give you one really quickly and we're gonna pray. And I can't, I don't know how God's gonna do this in your life, so I'm not saying that this is a template of what God's gonna do. All I can do is tell you what God's done in my life, and that is when we planted our church, not many people know this, and I wanted to wait till we got like 15 years out before I started telling those stories, but for the first better part of a year, we paid the bills of the church. The only reason why we lasted was because we started incurring debt over and over to keep the doors open. And glad to do it, glad to do it. But I started going, God, any ideas here? You know, and, and they went through a season where we went through the whole thing of just doing the best we could. And, and we got to the, the, to the end of the first year of our church. Our church was planted in, in February of, of 2012, and we were at December 2012, and it was, it was horrible financially. We were honoring God, but it was more of a faith prayer rather than a celebration. And I was going, God, I, we need this and we need that. I don't know. We didn't have enough money f- for our kids to have Christmas that year. And w- the only hope I had was they were young enough they wouldn't remember it. So that when they didn't get anything, they wouldn't remember. That was it. And we were faithful. But if I'm honest, I started getting a little bitter. God, I'm faithful to you. Where are you at? Where are you at? And about, I don't know, a week before Christmas, we got a... A door, our doorbell rang, and we didn't. We still didn't have. Uh, yeah, we have more people serving in kids' life than we had in our entire church at the time, and we knew where all those people were. So we knew we didn't know anybody should have been at our door at that time. So immediately, I'm going. I don't want to buy it, whatever it is. <laughs> Even if I had the money, I don't want it. You know that kind of thing. And I opened the door, and it was all of these college-age kids that were like, surprise. I was like, what? It is scared one of my daughters so bad. She went to her room and started crying her eyes. I was like, oh, someone was coming to kill us or something. I mean, she was terrified. And they just kind of come in and they just kept coming and they kept coming and they had presents. They had all of these presents and, they were, and then they all came in. They're like, wait, we'll be right back. They go back to their trunk and they unload all their trunk and then they go back and they unload their back seat and they come in. We're like, what are you doing? Merry Christmas. What do you mean Merry Christmas? Well, we know how hard it is. And our pastor knows you. And God put it on his heart to buy your family Christmas. Really? My kids had more presents than they'd ever had in their life. And then what was even more amazing is he bought us gifts too. <laughs> it wasn't just them, but he bought us. They gave us hundreds of dollars of gift cards and said, you go do whatever you want to do. Merry Christmas. I wasn't praying for that. God was faithful. And that's one of a hundred stories that I have of how God has been faithful. And can I tell you, during 2020 when everything was locked down and I wasn't sure what was gonna happen, it was those stories that made me realize, God, I have no idea where you're going. I have no idea what our church is gonna look like when the dust settles, but you have proved yourself faithful. And so yes, I'm worried, but I'm not that worried because you've proven yourself enough. That's what I want for you. It's no matter what happens, no matter what goes on, what goes on with our economy and all the things, I can get disappointed, but I'm not discouraged. You know why? Because God has proven himself faithful. And in so many little ways, in so many big ways, 
He's proven that he's never going to let us down. I want to ask you this question. Has the enemy tried to rob your faith in God? Has he tried to rob your simple, confident hope in his goodness? In just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity as the band comes up to come around here. And I don't know what you need to lay down before the Lord. Maybe, maybe this message had nothing to do with your finances. Maybe it had to do with another heart issue. But I want to ask you this question. Has the enemy tried to rob you of your simple, confident faith in God? I don't know what snake may be on your leg, but as someone who is recovering from my own snake bites, God's faithful. And whatever you need, he's here today. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you, God, that you see us and you know us and you're faithful. Thank you, God, that nothing passes your eye. And Lord, it would have been enough for you to save us. It would have been enough for you to set us free from addictions and things. But Lord, you care about everything in our life. And God, the greatest news I, I can give to some of us who are struggling is that, Lord, even in this moment, you care about the things that we care about. Lord, there are some of us who are struggling to trust you with the things going on in the world. I pray, Holy Spirit, right now, you continue the work you have started in us and you'll help us to realize that you are faithful in everything, in everything. Right now your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. In just a moment, the band is gonna give us an opportunity to honor the Lord, to worship him. For some of us in here, it's gonna be a moment when we just celebrate that we've seen God's faithfulness. And today is just a reminder of a difficult decision we made a long time ago, but we never regretted. For others of us, God is dealing with our hearts. Maybe it has to do in the area of finances, maybe it's something else. But I just wanna pray for you right now, one more time before we worship, because some of you need Jesus. Some of you've walked away from your relationship with God, and can I tell you that God is not mad at you? He's not offended at you. He's in love with you. And maybe the whole reason you made it to church today is so you could hear somebody tell you, you haven't gone too far. He's still waiting for you. At the bottom of your message notes, it leads you in a prayer of committing your life to Christ. I wanna pray that God will give you boldness and courage, that whatever's going on in your life, you'll bring it to this altar right here as a symbol of I'm going all in with you. Can I pray for you right now? God, thank you that you love us and you see us. And whatever is on our heart and our, our mind is not an accident. You don't reveal anything you don't also intend to heal. And so as we begin to worship you in this place, give us the courage to take the next step. Encourage us that every step we take, we never take it alone, but you're always with us. And as we worship you, increase your presence in this moment because we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just stand with me all over the house this morning. Let's worship the Lord together.